the revelations of the Klein report have brought the government, Irish Catholics and the Vatican to an unprecedented juncture. When the Irish leader delivered this speech to the Dáil, Ireland and its people changed forever. The Klein report excavates the dysfunction, the disconnection, the elitism that dominate the culture of the Vatican today. For centuries, the traditional faiths dominated the religious landscape of Ireland, north and south. This is not Rome, nor is it industrial school or Magdalen Ireland with a swish of a soutane, smothered conscience and humanity. Until recently, everyone went to Mass or to church. This is the Republic of Ireland 2011, the Republic of laws, of rights and responsibilities, of proper civic order, where the delinquency and the arrogance of a particular version of a particular kind of morality will no longer be tolerated or ignored. Ireland was witnessing a religious catastrophe. It had been coming for a while. The Vatican and the Catholic Church in Ireland have been condemned from all sides of the House. Without delay, I believe the papal nuncio should be expelled from Ireland. The Taoiseach's response saw him deliver a speech which would have been unthinkable even five years ago. And it will be remembered as the final break between church and state in Ireland. For many people in Ireland, religion was an inherited identity, more than it was a chosen spiritual path or expression of faith. It labelled you... It was part of your nationality. It placed you in the majority or in the minority, and it caused a kind of apartheid. This label aided in the separation of neighbours, the division of communities, and perhaps caused more division than any man-made north-south borderline. Recent decades have seen a change to all this. Like the rest of the Western world, many Irish people are embracing secularism, while others are choosing to investigate beliefs and spiritualities open to them freely for the first time. I was born in the north and raised in the south. My name is Kevin McCann. My hometown is Belturbet in County Cavan. And I'm taking a look at the story of religious change in the border regions of Ireland. Thomas Small lives in Belturbet too. He's an old family friend. He has just begun his training as a Catholic deacon very much so in Ireland in the past our national identity was tied up with our Catholicism and the further you got to Northern Ireland the more intense that identification became in terms of religious difference in the, in the border region you would have just had Catholics and Protestants I suppose the peace process came along as the Celtic Tiger came along as Ireland North and South generally became more secular a political identity being tied up with your denomination lessened. So nowadays, a believer for a Catholic believer or a Church of Ireland believer, it's much more about Christian faith, your faith in Jesus Christ. It isn't about identity anymore. Thomas and I grew up together. We would never have predicted that within a 25-mile radius of our town, there would be a Hare Krishna community, a Buddhist centre, a Jehovah Witness Hall, Hindus... Muslims and many more. We see, as I say, a great drop-off in attendance at Mass. And I think nowadays you're seeing so many different uh, faith groups uh, that have uh, sprung up. And I suppose, in a sense, there's much more of a choice for people on their spiritual quest. And with the change in religion comes a change in practice. Declan Finnegan is a funeral director, 
a few miles up the road in Cavan Town. Recently, uh, we have announced that we're to open a crematorium, so we'll be the first regional town to have a, their own crematorium. So I would expect to uh, people to come from as far away as Donegal, Sligo, Leitrim, Fermanagh, Armagh and Tyrone. It's a sign of our times, I think. People are demanding the different religious services. When I set up, it was uh, Church of Ireland and uh, Catholic was the two main faiths. Any other faiths that were in the area was generally, say, doctors that come to the hospital. But now the amount of people that has migrated into Ireland that you have all you have a lot of different faiths and none. Leaving Declan I go around the corner and visit Una Trainer. Una, as she says herself, is a blow in from the west of Ireland. Since moving to the border she has worked on integrating community groups such as the Catholics and Protestants. It's it's a huge challenge for us as a people in Cavan because it's the first time we have been challenged um, by outside cultures and outside religions from about, I suppose, 2000, 2002, we've seen such an influx of people from Eastern Europe, from the African countries, from Brazil, and, um, you know, we have the Indian community, who are a whole lot of different religions coming together, but they come together because they're Indian, and um, and and they're probably all different, worshipping different religions. So it's very much, I suppose, the whole thing is in the boiling pot at the moment. For instance, I'll give you one example of... of of a situation that a family found themselves in that a young woman died and the, the problem was like you know they had no church they had nowhere to bury her and like it was neighbours who intervened and talked to the local priest and the priest um, found them a burial place and those very practical things have forced communities to organise themselves so uh, the whole climate has changed completely in my short life around Kevin. The overwhelming majority of Protestants in the border region belong to Church of Ireland. However, Protestantism is made up of many different religions and the border area has a much higher percentage of these than further south. Congregations such as Methodist, Presbyterian, Plymouth Brethren and many more can be found throughout Ireland. Half a mile out the road from Una's office is the Cavan Baptist Church where I meet the pastor, Ivan Watson. His church is just a few miles from the start of the River Erne. This uh, room here is where we'd meet on a Sunday, so uh, at the moment it's quite empty, you can hear the echo, um, but on a Sunday here we'd have the chairs all laid out, there'd be about 100 odd people here every Sunday and uh, maybe about a third from Cavan Town and the rest from the outlying areas. I'd be up there um, speaking and preaching a sermon at some stage during the, the morning and have the music group over here in this corner. Ivan knows all about life on the border, having been raised in County Tyrone. Uh, I saw firsthand um, how religion could be divisive and how it could be very uh, tribal. It was more uh, a badge that we wore to culturally distinguish us rather than about a, a living faith or, or that kind of thing. So I, I saw that, although in uh, my own home... Um, I suppose a personal faith in Jesus was what was emphasised and uh, that was warm and loving and, and uh, I came to that conviction myself as a child and then I suppose it was confirmed later as a teenager and as an adult. But the church itself has been here for 19 years this, this month actually 
and um, they started off out near Kilishandra as a group of people meeting for Bible study in a farmhouse. And uh, people from different backgrounds. Our main thing is that we we uh, talk about Jesus and believe in Jesus, and we seek to find out what he means to us through the Bible. And uh, I suppose Baptist, then, the word comes from then that we encourage people to be baptised um, as a, a sign that they're following Jesus. And uh, they also emphasise the distinction between church and state. I suppose the past 30, 40 years, there's been a growing number of um, Baptist-type churches around the country. As I sat in his office, Ivan began to tear down a wall of false division in Ireland. He told me something I needed to hear for a long time. He said it well. In a few short sentences, religion and national identity were beginning to separate. Ireland isn't uh, the possession of the Catholics or the Protestants. It's God's. It's God's land. I like being Irish. I like the Irish culture. I'm seeking, along with my wife, to bring up our children with an Irish cultural identity. Take my children and what they're doing today, for example, I suppose. Or uh, The other day, my son had his Irish oral, and I'm encouraging that. Um, my second boy, later on this evening, I'm taking him to a, an inter-club um, under-14 GA match, and he, he enjoys playing Gaelic football. Uh, my youngest child, our, our daughter, is loves playing the fiddle um, at school today. They've been expressing their Irishness and playing Irish music. She plays in Irish sessions and is hoping to um, enter into the FLA this year. So that's the kind of approach I would want to have to, to be an Irish and to be involved in culture as being part of the community in a way that, that blesses others and helps others. St. Patrick's Day, Calvin Town, in the year of our Lord, 2012. This town has changed in a few short years. Big colour here, ladies and gentlemen. Big round of applause for the Calvin Indian Association. Actually, we are a group of people from India and living in Calvin and working, and uh, we are representing India for this St. Patrick's Parade. And uh, there is people belongs to you know from Hindu background, Christian background, Pentecostal background, and you know Catholic, Jacobite, Orthodox, and all all kind of background. We just want to represent you know, a bit from India here. Okay, thank you. I have to actually go. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I just want to ask you, uh, what, what has it been like for you uh, practicing your faith in? in I have Cal no problem practicing my faith here. Our actually our church is in Dublin, and I belong to Pentecost faith. And uh, I have no problem in practicing my faith. I have all my freedom. And, uh, you know, I follow Sacred Heart and uh, pray, and there's no problem for me. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Across the street, dignitaries and politicians sit on the back of a truck, taking it all in, fading reminders of a divided past. Down here on the ground, there's freedom in the air. Actually, basically, I belong to Hindu, you know. I think that all the people are, you know, uh, yeah, accepting our culture and tradition, like, you know. Yeah, it's quite nice, you know, it's liberal-like. Uh, my name is Parvati. I am a Hindu, actually, by birth and by faith. And I am working in Eskal Lodge Nursing Home, a staff nurse. Actually, we practice our religion at home, and we have our own idols in our home, and, you know, we practice our custom. 
and we celebrate our um, festivals and all. So we have the freedom to practice our own religion. I'm Denny. Uh, I'm a staff nurse. I'm working in Castleman, a nursing home. Um, I'm Catholic, but I'm married to a Hindu. I, we used to go to mass in the cathedral here, and uh, it's like, yeah, we are Catholic, like, you know, so we are going to church as usual, as in India, and also, as I told, I'm married to a Hindu, so uh, we are uh, practicing the prayers in, in our home also, like, we are having a prayer room, and daily we are doing the prayers, and there is a temple here. Um, the, street. the Baptist church are also here. I see a familiar face. Ivan, how are you doing? Uh, how are you getting on today? Doing well, thank you. Yeah, we're taking part in the St. Patrick's Day Parade, as we've done now the past... This is the third year, so, yeah, we're enjoying it again. And uh, the float is uh, a sheep trailer, actually, and we've got a Bible verse down the side. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and then Jesus is the Good Shepherd. Um, so that's kind of the way we're trying to get across our message today. I think there's about 60 or 70 of us here today, judging by the number of T-shirts that we've put on people. And um, the rage right from the little uh, toddlers that have been pushed along in the push chairs um, up to um, one man over 80. He's in, in the car just behind the first float there. So, yeah, and people, as you can see, some uh, were born in Africa, but most of us have been born in Ireland. And uh, we're kind of a mixture from different backgrounds, some from traditional Catholic, some from traditional Protestant. Uh, a whole mixture, really. We want to celebrate St. Patrick. He was a great missionary to Ireland and brought the good news here. And uh, so we want to kind of continue on that tradition of Patrick. The, the very end sign says, St. Patrick's message still changing lives in Cabin today. And that maybe sums up what we're about. A few weeks later, I made arrangements to visit another religious community. The Hare Krishnas. They live on an island in Upper Loch Erne, just across the border in County Fermanagh. I'm standing at the lake shore. Across the water is Inishrat, where the centre for Hari, the Hare Krishna community is. I'm waiting for the boat to come and collect me so I can visit the island. There's a sign beside the car park Hare Krishna community we wish you a warm welcome please note that the key and car park are for the purpose of visiting Inishrath Island this area is privately owned and we request no barbecuing or picnics involving non-vegetarian foods no launching of speedboats or jet skis no fishing thank you very much there's a bell here beside the key which may be um, a way of summoning the boat to, uh, to the shore for collection. The peace and quiet of the lake shore allows me to think back, back to the time when I looked at the world through child's eyes. I started my life across the border, where I was born in Enniskillen, in the Erne Hospital. Being raised along the border, you are critically aware of the division in the land and also a division in the people, the Catholics and the Protestants. We knew that we were Catholics, and we knew who in the area were Protestants. This was something that was part of the lingo, part of the underbelly, undertone of the society. Every time we crossed the border, we would have to go through military checkpoints, British soldiers with rifles standing at 
stone barriers, huts. Other soldiers would be in the, in the ditches, camouflaged, black faces. All right, sir, where are you going to? Uh, we're just going up to uh, Enniskillen for a swim. Any bombs in the car, sir? Seven kids and two adults in one car. Enniskillen Forum. It was the nearest swim pool, because Calvin didn't have a swim pool until recently, actually. So I'm on my way over to Inishrath Island, over to the Hare Krishna community. Behind a big tree is a beautiful big yellow house. To the side of the house are children's swings and slides and little colourful houses. We're just at the door of the temple and uh, I'm going to put my shoes on the rack and introduce myself. Over the next few hours I sample the Hare Krishna life in County Fermanagh. This religion is 3,000 years older than Christianity and disagrees with much of what is happening in Western society. In a large room there are perhaps 70 people in everyday clothes. They listen to a man sitting in the middle, dressed in robes. Though most of the followers, known as devotees, are of Indian abstraction, the master is white and speaks with a mainland Europe accent. From what I hear of his sermon, he encourages people to get closer to their god Krishna and try to attain Krishna consciousness by living a good life, free from violence, meat and trappings of Western society. Loving service together with all the souls and the supreme soul Krishna. That is Anandam Gurivardhanam. It is eternal and ever-increasing. This happiness... After the sermon, people started to move around. I found a place in the corner and an Irish devotee explained to me what was happening. Sunday feast. It's um, traditional on a Sunday that the um, devotees here provide a... Uh, Sunday love feast it was called originally, you know, where people are invited to come and partake in the service. And at the end of the service, end of the lecture, we have a feast, we celebrate with food. Before I leave the island, there's time for one more chat. A young Dublin mother. She used to live on the island and now returns often with her husband and child. Well, we're chanting um, the names of God and um, that's... Um, really paramount in the, if you like to say, Hare Krishna religion. Um, we chant the names of God to purify ourselves and to make that connection with God. Um, many people would practice maybe silent prayer or, you know, coming from the Republic of Ireland, people might say the rosary or things like that to connect with God. And um, the prayer that we use is called the Maha Mantra or the Great Mantra for deliverance. And what it does is it actually... Uh, it steadies the mind and it helps us to focus on our inner selves because essentially we are spirit. When I was about four or five years old, my father was very friendly with a man by the name of Dennis Stack. They worked together in board telecom, as it was known then. And he was into Krishna consciousness and he would bring the books and leave them in, their in our house. And my father read some of them, but he wasn't very, you know, he, he thought it was a very intelligently written book but um, he wasn't into the path of Krishna consciousness. But I remember that him and his wife had a profound effect on me. I just felt that when they were around me, around my family, I just felt such a mellow, beautiful, loving consciousness. 
And then when I was about seven or eight, I remember looking in the mirror, looking at my, into my eyes, especially in the mirror, and thinking, who am I? Where do I come from? Really? Having those questions. At seven or eight? At seven or eight. And then I was 19 years old, and a friend of mine, she was listening to Boy George music, and uh, she used to cut out his picture for posters on the walls and it would explain on the back how he was into Krishna consciousness and little things that he believed in at that time and then I got interested and I said let's go to a Hare Krishna temple when I was about 19 so I did that and I moved into the Dublin temple and then when it was it was closing I moved up here and spent two years here so um so that's really how it was little by little you know, like everything else, I, I got into Krishna consciousness, I'd say by the mercy of the devotees, they tolerated me and tolerated my questions and uh, and uh, my lack of seriousness or sincerity in the beginning, at least, until I actually saw, yes, this is actually a path. It's authentic. It can be followed. I can see the process working for others, you know. Since 1986, I don't know how many open days we have. And I have to honestly say that the local community came and they couldn't have been more open and they couldn't have been more supportive. I mean, and I would have often travelled down to see my parents travelled up by bus uh, because I would have been a single girl when I was living here. And I often met the local community and talked with the local community. And to be honest, it was impossible to sit on my own in a bus because people would get in beside you and ask if you were living on the island and how is it up there and when are you having another open day? And, you know, the driver of the bus would be talking to you, you know, where will you get your pickup now from Ballyconnell as, as we used to in that time? Wow. So it, it couldn't have been more open. And uh, we do have the four regulatory principles here. The island is, is kept like that. No intoxication, no meat eating no gambling no illicit sex but at the same time we have to meet people where they are at and uh, the devotees here will definitely do anything to facilitate people to uh, bring them closer to krishna in any way that they can you know and of course we get our milk locally because our cows are not giving uh, milk we've older cows and when we need work done on the building uh, we'll have to get local people and it's a, lo a lot of uh, local hands are needed as well you know I enjoyed my day on the island. A devotee from Poland dropped me back to the mainland and I walked back to my car. Before I crossed back over the border, I took in the setting sun and reflected on this place. But what is it that attracts these religions to this land? This area, I mean, even up to recent times, I mean, recent years, was largely ignored you know, when people hear of Cavan or people hear of Leitrim or Fermanagh, they're not traditionally centres where people would rush to. And perhaps this is the reason why religions have found these places to be suitable for setting up, because they are off the beaten track. There is certainly something mysterious about this land. I remember... Tommy Tiernan went on a walk around Ireland and uh, he went to Monaghan and Cavan and Leitrim and he said at the end of his programme, he said, there's something very mysterious about Cavan and Monaghan and Leitrim in this area and to tell you the truth, I'm glad to be getting out of it. Then it was back home across the border. A week later, a knock came to my door. It's a beautiful Saturday morning in my hometown in, in Belturbet and uh, I currently live in a small estate and I see two men walking around 
knocking on doors, two well-dressed men. They're dressed in black, and um, I have a suspicion that they're Jehovah Witnesses. Hello. How are you doing? You look like you're busy. Just leaving everybody with one of these invitations this morning to to a special event coming up at that time of year. How do you view Jesus? Uh -huh. something uh, are, you, are you guys uh, Jehovah Witnesses? Yes, that's right. Because um, I'm doing... Um, a radio documentary for RTE, and that's why I'm recording. Yeah, um, I'm and I <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get information about all the, if you like, new religions that are in the area. Right. Uh, uh, can you guys come in and, and and speak to me, and then maybe I could go to a service at some stage. You can do, yeah. If you want to, do you, you want to come in? Yeah. Okay. I'll spend a few minutes with you. <laughs> Generally speaking, it's fairly pleasant. People are nice. Uh, not overly nasty. <laughs> As a majority here, either Roman Catholic or Protestant, majority are in this area. A lot of us, my, myself and my friends, are finding more and more that a lot of people are saying that they don't have a religion anymore, but they do believe in God, which is, in this kind of era, is very respectable nowadays. The meetings in Cavan area are every week. How many people would be... We normally get about 50. Oh, and they're from County Cavan or from Leitrim and Fermanagh and... Uh, just County Cavan, just well, around the area. Yeah. Because there's, there's one in um, Boyle, isn't there? One in Boyle. Which all people in Leitrim One in Sligo, one in Eskelin, one in Dundalk, one in King's Court. All the main one, towns. One in Avon. You'll find a, a Jehovah's Witness Hall meeting mm -hmm. place. John Warren and his son invited me to attend one of their services the following week. I gladly agreed and accepted their invitation. But before that, I had been invited by a friend to experience another new border religion. Travelling northwest along the border from Bulturbet, you pass Ballyconnell, then Bonboy, and then it's Jampaling, the Tibetan Buddhist centre in County Cavan. The day I arrive, there is a crowd there to celebrate Losar, New Year's Day in the Tibetan calendar. I'm standing in a field in one boy in County Cavan, not far from the border. The field is just outside a Jampaling Buddhist centre. There's about 40 or 50 people from all different ages, parents and children. They're walking around a fire. Every time the fire seems to be getting a flame, they put palm leaves, more palm leaves, and more water on it. I thought they were pouring petrol on it, but it's not petrol, it's water. And it's a very beautiful scene with the white, white smoke and the very sharp sunlight. It's the new year for the Buddhists in Cavan. We've been here now since 1990, and it's amazing how many people from all over Ireland and other parts of the world have come. Not everyone in Jampaling is Buddhist. Buddhism allows people to see their own beliefs in a new light. I meet three northern women 
whose spiritual paths have also led them to the border. I'm not even Buddhist, you know, I'm, I'm here for the, the sort of just interest in the whole... It's interesting, all of us here from the north. I suppose we've all grown up where religion in our lives dictated our, our friends. lives. Yeah, our friends, yeah. our well, schools. And, it became very and where we could well. go, it was political. You know, it wasn't religious, it was political. Mm-hmm. So I think that, and for many people, it just puts you off. So maybe it's easier for us to take a step away. Buddhism has brought me back to my old religion. Spiritual paths also lead here from the south. Well, that is. It could even be, it's, a border, it's the border region and it's very central in Ireland and it's where, you know, there's been a lot of conflict in this area. And I feel, you know, where there's conflict, there's people that are hurt and there's healing that is done. Yeah, because it's closer to where the real suffering has been, if you know what I mean, and in the division seen... of this country. And it's ancient, it even goes beyond mm. recent times. If you look in our ancient history... And where are you from? I'm, well, I live here. I live locally. You're from? I'm from Wicklow originally. Yeah. And you moved up here because of? Because of Jamplain. Because I'd already been coming here for years anyway. Yeah, I meet a lot of people actually from my area, strangely enough. There's quite a few. It's remarkable, actually. You know, I'm Emer Crow. I'm from Cavan. I live in Cavan. I work in Cavan. I raised my family in Cavan. And I am a practicing Buddhist. I went to, you know, a primary school in Cavan Town that was had nuns. There were the St Clairs. I was very much into Catholicism and uh, particularly the Virgin Mary. I felt an affinity with her, and I think I felt that very. That's how I sensed my faith at a young age. I decided I wanted to explore spirituality. And I heard there was a Buddhist centre in Cavan, but I didn't go with the intention of going there to be a Buddhist or do anything like that. I just went because I knew I needed just to take time out. So that's what I did. I decided I left my job and headed up to Jampaling Buddhist Centre in Cavan. And actually, my mother drove me up the first day. I was, um, and I remember she was singing Kumbaya, <laughs> going in the gate. She thought this was hilarious. He was going to some sort of commune or something. Um, so I arrived and I was going to stay for two weeks. I just said, rather stay for two weeks and see what this is about. And I ended up staying for two years. Emer's life began in rural Cavan. She remembers her own neighbour, a man who enjoyed the silence of a field. His name was Mick, but he was a very simple, simple man in that he, he wore the waistcoat, he had a black waistcoat, he had black trousers, he had the boots... But sometimes I used to find him just sitting in the field and he had a cap and you'd just sort of come across him and he'd be sitting there and he'd be looking. But I experienced that sense of someone actually sitting surrounded by fields, surrounded by mud, surrounded by grass, surrounded by flowers, bees. So uh, subconsciously I think that uh, because of that, um, I had some form of a language or some form of experience that connected me to that sense of perhaps the other because it's a very simple experience when someone's just sitting. But, and then when I started, started to learn a bit more about Buddhism, I felt then that this was a vehicle for me to tap back into that sense of other, that sense of nature. 
Nature will accept change. But what about the locals? Further west is Dowra, the first village on the River Shannon. Half of Dowra is in County Cavan and the other half is in Leitrim. On the Leitrim side, away up the mountains, in the last house, lives Simone Kennedy. Raised a Catholic and originally from Dublin, Simone has returned to ancient beliefs and a connection to nature. She is a Celtic shaman who regularly hosts workshops in shamanism and druidism. Well, to be honest, back in, in Ireland, even in 1990, we're talking about quite a different time to what we're living in now. There was still some very draconian notions about uh, religious views and spirituality and where you should fit, what box you should be into. So it was quite different to how it is now. Thank the gods, times have moved on. But certainly back then, I was very, very fearful. And when you give out that fear, it comes back to you. The universe will give you back what you send out. So as a result, my fearfulness at the time resulted in um, not too harmonious relationship with the locals because I was too fearful to get to know them. And so they would respond with my quiet, retiring nature as being more suspicious, you know, so it wasn't a good situation. Now I no longer have that fear inside myself. And as a result, when we moved here, I was able to open up fully to the, the locals as an individual. Having said that, as I say, I wouldn't go running out telling people on the first meeting either. Um, and, and as a result, the, the relationship with locals is, is beautiful, you know. I'm 22 years uh, doing this shamanic work and 12 of them I've been working with clients and I've found the types of people coming to me today have changed so wonderfully. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. I have ordinary Catholic farmers, farmers' wives, bankers, psychologists. They're not alternative people, where 10, 15 years ago, it was only alternative people that would be drawn to shamanism. Now it's everybody. And this is something I think we always should remember, you know, whether we're, uh, as I am, a priestess of Ischel or whether you're a Catholic priest, you need to remember that what's right for one person is not for everybody. In everyone I have met on this journey along the border, I have witnessed a natural desire to believe in something, whatever that is. These new beliefs are starting to attract the locals. I finally made it to the Kingdom Hall of Jehovah Witness. Well, I'm Marie O'Reilly, and we're here at the Kingdom Hall in Butler's Bridge, and I am from Stag Hall, Belturbet. Well, the first meeting was when uh, a couple came round the door with some magazines. And I was interested in religion. I was very involved, actually, myself in the Catholic Church in Stack Hall. And um, after looking at these magazines, I could see all the different scriptures that were there that were taken for the Bible. I had a love for the Bible, but I didn't understand what it contained or who the Bible was talking to. It was, to me, like, like stories, if you know what I mean. So I took an interest in that, in that what was contained in the magazines had a great lesson, and uh, also um, it helped me in day-to-day living, you could say, yes. What are your families and friends? Are they receptive to this or suspicious of it? Well, in the beginning, yes, they would have been suspicious of it. But uh, I know when I started studying, because we started studying the Bible, myself and this other couple, and even Anthony and the children as well, uh, and he began to realise that um, as we studied 
and I started putting stuff into practice that they could see the benefit of it. So it actually had a good benefit in the family. No, we're not perfect. But um, then, of course, then on the outside, um, in different, we had different comments from different people, hurtful things that were said, all right. But we got over that. We don't take that on board. Well, I'm a local man. Uh, Philip Boyle is my name. Uh, bread and butter, as I say in Cavan. And uh, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Well, you see an awful lot of people out there who, who, who don't, uh, would say, have a religion or who have a religion and, and are not following it. And are they happy? You see, I mean, we've all got the same problems. We mm. still have our mortgages to pay. We still have our car payments. We still have the children going to school. We've, we've the same as everyone else. But you know, we we have a trust in Jehovah. We we put a trust in God to help us through our problems through from day to day. You know, we don't rely on anyone else. We rely on our family, of course. But it's Jehovah at the end of the day that we that we put our trust in. Mm. And we have our brotherhood as well. If yeah. we have a problem, we can always yeah. go to our brothers as well. Like we've backup everywhere we go, we've yeah. backup. And know, if we're sick, and we may have to go to uh, Dublin, or we have no relations up there, we've all the brothers get in touch with the brothers up there. They look us up. They'll put up our relations or our family, or and they'll take out our washing and do it for us, and they'll come and visit us. Mm. And that's the difference, you see. With each new belief comes a new community. For some, like Tom Hyde, community comes with the territory. I live in Ballymagorban County Cavan. My postal address is Ballymagorban County Leitrim. Fermanagh is only six miles away from me. In Northern Ireland, a different country, civil authority. And what struck me was borders and borderland are man-made. Religions have their borders and they're man-made. There is no border here. As a sheep farmer up in Glengevin said to me one day, sheep don't recognise international borders. And what really gave me comfort living here, on this land, with all this water, with all the variety of light, was this sense of borderlessness. There are no borders if we look at nature. I think that by coming to live here, I have found that indigenous spirituality is answering my need. And I think that other people are searching for what indigenous spirituality offers all of us. But ultimately, we have to go back to the land and back to the ancestors. When I settled here, I found that I was surrounded by ancient monuments. And so I went out on my first Christmas day with a camera and a King Charles Spaniel on a lead and I started photographing these things and calling into people's houses and I was astonished to find how respectful the landowners were of these ancient monuments and I repeatedly got the same answer to the question when I asked would you never think of getting rid of it and making it good agricultural land and they said it was here a long time before us and we'll be here a long time after us so we won't touch it there are many reasons why new beliefs have come to the border region. Natural migration, mass immigration, cheaper housing, rejection of a city life. There is something more here in this place. Nature. My name is Leo O'Reilly. I'm the Bishop of Kilmore. Uh, Kilmore is a rural diocese in Ireland. It straddles the border between 
Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. I've seen huge changes in our diocese and particularly in the practice of the faith of Catholics over the last 50 years. When I was young, pretty well everybody went to Mass on Sunday, practiced their faith regularly. Uh, being a Catholic was simply being a member of society. And sometimes maybe the question occurred, was this a matter of conviction or was it just convention? Uh, there's a new spirit of sharing, of exchange between religious people of different faiths. We can all learn from each other in, in many ways. I think there is often a wish to, to find a common link between all religions. And I suppose there is a common link in that all of them enshrine in some way a search for meaning by human beings. But all of them, it appears to me, value things like silence and prayer, recollection, awareness. All of these things helps in leading us to God. I have lived through a time when my country changed. New communities, new beliefs, new identities. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.